Sticking to it, you know, it's not a lack of knowledge. It's not that you you you're missing some information somehow. And if you if you were somehow more educated, you would stick to it. It's that it's not working for you physiologically. You know, that yeah. physiologic balance is not there. And so if you don't have that balance, it's going to be really hard mentally to stick to something because it feels yucky. Welcome to the Better Podcast, where we attempt to rewrite the future of our health. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Farrell, the founder and CEO of Better Health. And with me today is news anchor, television personality, a mom of three, and a self-described hypochondriac, Aaron O'Hearn. Of course, what always comes to mind typically this time of year is uh, diets and weight loss and, you know, getting healthier for the new year. Many of us people put on what we call the uh, Mm COVID-19, which I think is now turned into uh, the COVID-38. And it's, uh, you know, it's plaguing everybody. And so maybe the maybe before the New Year's resolution is always like, okay, lose weight, get healthy. Now it's like uh, stay alive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because don't forget, there's the COVID liver. Yep. What else is there? COVID brain, I guess, which is a result of an increase in alcohol take and any other um, social lubricants mm-hmm. that are helping us get through this. But I, yeah, I think I think people are trying to commit on in twenty twenty one to a healthier lifestyle. But the way twenty one is going, uh, it's yeah. tough. And it's- I think that's why this is so important that we talk about this. All right. With us today is Barbara Baez. She is a uh, master's in science, registered dietitian, RDN. She has a bachelor's and master's degree in nutrition, became a dietitian in 2009, worked in various nursing homes, and most recently in a medical weight loss clinic in the bariatric department for the county of Ventura out there in sunny California. Welcome to the podcast, Barbara. <laughs> Thank you Hi, so Barbara. much. Thank you. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share some of my experience with your listeners today um, to provide a little bit of insight on some of those fun things that are out there when it comes to nutrition. (laughs) Yes. Well, in full disclosure, everybody, uh, I met Barbara recently because uh, she actually went through the Better Health Method and we just had these great conversations. And she is somebody that has put herself through so many of these diets so that she could speak firsthand to her clients, which I thought was a very interesting model. So before we get into that, we are going to get into things that they have done for centuries and hundreds of years that are, you know, have been sometime mainstream or gimmicky. And so we're going to go over some of those fads before we kind of get into the mainstream stuff that's out there today and, and have intelligent conversation about, you know, let's say keto versus paleo or the plant paradox, uh, going vegan, not going vegan, the pros and cons of some of those specific diets. But the fun part about this is to uh, talk about some of the crazy stuff that I have done in the past. Mm-hmm. And and Aaron always likes to say, what crazy stuff are we doing now that will become, not that we don't think is crazy now, will become the craziness in the future. Right. Like, oh, should we really be giving up gluten? Um, so Aaron, right, right. do you want to start with the uh, the first one on the list? Sure. So can I ask a question? Of I was, course. I did some research. I know our researcher did some research for me. Um, and there's certain diets that are uh, highlighted, although I have my personal favorite. So I'd like to use my own discretion. Um, Absolutely. Okay, great. That researcher is um, 
quite annoying that researcher. He always puts his uh, what he wants to do yeah. in the show, and not. What I you don't. Want to do. I don't appreciate the researcher interjecting his opinions. I know it's uh, just it's for, so, just it's a so mental note. The highlighting is so in your well, face. and it's bold too. It's yeah. just Ooh, really obnoxious. Bold and, highlight. Yeah, and it's like the I don't know some sort of cartoonish font. So the first one, which I will credit the researcher for highlighting, because I have actually heard some of my friends say something similar to this, which is the tapeworm diet. Now, I have had friends say, specifically in college, when you were eating at like two in the morning um, after a night of drinking, gosh, I just wish I would get a parasite just for a few days, <laughs> just so they could lose that 10 pounds. Well, apparently, at the turn of the 20th century, Someone bottled that idea and put it in a pill form. Of course. Um, yeah. So baby tapeworms were, I don't know, somehow ground up or, or encapsulated in some way. And then you were to ingest them like you would a vitamin. And that was eat whatever you want and you'll still lose weight. What they found was that the tapeworms started to grow to about 25 feet long. And you know, there were some minor side effects like seizures and meningitis, meningitis um, dementia, which was actually beneficial because no one really wants to remember all the side effects after they swallowed the tapeworm. Anyway, obviously, the U.S. government outlawed the sale of tapeworm pills, but that was one of the diet fads. It was like the present day what is it? Hydrocut? Ox what is the diet yeah. pill? Yeah. Hydroxycut. Hydroxycut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, moving on. So the next one is a diet that I actually am a huge fan of, and I don't know why this is a quack diet. It's called the drinking man's diet. <laughs> the only thing that's been updated is actually now it's the drinking man, woman, they right. diet. So this is basically you are required to have alcohol with every meal. There are no restrictions on gin and vodka. This sounds like my kind of diet. The pamphlet was sold in the 1960s priced at $1. Um, he, saw, he sold more than 2 million copies. When I, when I, <laughs> when I try to tell people, that, you know what, there's, there's two lessons here. Number one, it is true that um, drinking alcohol with every meal will help you lose weight. Maybe not actually lose weight, but when you're looking in the mirror and you're all hammered, you just, <laughs> you're, you're just going to say, oh, I, I, I look good. Damn, I look good. Damn, I look good today. Yeah. But with that, um, I, when the fact that he sold 2 million copies of this, I always try to explain to people, that's why you know that the world is so abundant. Right. The fact that there's two million people that thought, hmm, I need to pick this up. I need this. This is literature I need to, to know more about. And there's two million of them. <laughs> because what could he possibly have added to the fact that it's I mean, the, the diet doesn't seem complicated. Right. Because one, it doesn't work. And two, you're just saying you drink. So I'm not sure what he said in the pamphlet. But I guess I, it no. takes you longer to read a sentence when you're hammered. Yeah, Barbara, have you I, tried this, by the way? Uh, no, you know what? That's not one on my list. However, I think it does go to show that there are 2 million people looking for solutions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really hoping to find it. Yeah. Right. In a glass of wine or whatever, you know? And, and back then, no one was fat. So can yeah. you imagine what the pamphlets, how many pamphlets would be sold today? Yeah. All right. I want to, I want you to go with the highlight on this one. And we, we need to talk about the Graham diet. 
Oh, yeah, I saw that, actually. Uh, 1830, Sylvester Graham was a Presbyterian minister and an early vegetarian. Okay, so he believed that people were fat because they had too much sex. F you, Graham. We don't want to hear from you. You're off the show. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's I love crazy. this, actually. This is great. Although his diet of abstinence and veggies didn't last long, <laughs> he's known today as the father of, oh, get this, graham crackers. Why? I, he made graham crackers. This is insane. So you're telling me the guy that invented graham crackers thought people were fat because they had too much sex? That's what this graham diet is burn, don't you burn? Don't you burn calories? Well... It's interesting because the next one on our list was the, the chewing diet, which I, <laughs> I, I looked at them right at the very quickly. And then it said the guy Horace Fletcher became known as the great masticator. But when I looked at the no sex diet and masticator quickly, I thought the, uh, the word said something different. Sure, I get it. You can say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like the great masturbator. I'm like, what is this? So uh, yeah. after his stunning 40 pound weight loss, his motivation is like just keep, you know, basically chew 32 times. Coincidentally enough, my grandmother on my father's side, 32 chews was her big, big thing. Like you could, Why? you could Just go knock it. over a liquor store, but if you came home and didn't do 32 chews of her meatloaf, <laughs> you're like dead to her. So what did the meatloaf look like after 32 chews? Cause it's not, I mean, <laughs> I mean that's disgusting. Well, well, that you don't know rule number two is keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> those were her two, those are her two biggies. Wait, Barbara, though, I have a really quick, just to um, digress for a moment. Isn't chewing your food thoroughly actually a better idea, though? I mean, all joking aside, like when you eat. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, I never recommend that you scarf your food, right? Some people are preloaders with their forks where they've got their fork preloaded, ready to go for that next bite because they're shoveling it. However, there are digestive enzymes that start in your mouth. There, you know, there's there's enzymes in your saliva that help break down that food. So the more that you can chew your food, the more mindful you're going to be as you're eating, which gives your body that time to register that it has been fed. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole hormone release and all that other fun stuff. So absolutely. Have you seen those gardens where like they rake the sand gardens, like they just like rake it all over and do all these designs? I noticed a lot of people eat like that. Like they, they, they mush, push something over here. They're doing this. There's people that actually looks like they're painting while, while they eat. I wonder if that's, I, I would love to see if those people are some, somehow get a better uh, metabolic push because they're slowing down and they're looking at their food and they're aerating it, whatever they're doing. But <laughs> are you someone that just like stabs it or do you move, you move stuff around your plate? You know what? I eat out of bowls. I am a mom. I'm like, seriously, just put it all on top. Put it in a bowl. I gotta go. <laughs> well, you know, Aaron, to your question also is that the digestion of your food starts very quickly. As soon as you see the food, right? Smell it. And the, the the issue we have with all of our artificial sweeteners or food that like is, you know, supposed to taste like cherry and look like cherry. And then your body gets it, realizes that it's not the chemical compounds it was actually getting ready for, um, which is a big issue. So a lot of people end up uh, flushing things out of their system before they actually bring it in with when anytime you put type of, you know, artificial sweetener or chemical in it, or it's too overloaded with natural flavors, then your body actually doesn't get the full uh, breakdown. So 
I digress. I don't want to hear that. Okay. All right. I use a lot of artificial. Well, no, I don't use a lot of artificial sweeteners. I use stevia in my coffee and I know I shouldn't, but I do. Well, are you using liquid? Yes. Yeah. So liquid's the whole plant, just like say here uh, had said a couple podcasts back with the food. Yeah. Cool. Wait, wait. Oh, actually, can I, this is really good because this can relate to today. So the cotton ball diet they have zero calories, which I'm assuming glass also has zero calories. So I'm not sure why, but um, I guess cotton balls are easier on the intestines. The reason I bring the cotton ball diet up is because uh, with the popularity of keto and I guess the reemergence of Adkins and some of these like no carb diets, there are a lot of zero calorie pastas and you know food substitutes mm-hmm that give you, I guess, the mental relaxation of eating or consuming something, but don't have any nutritional value, like a cotton ball. Um, It's just meant to try to fill you up and trick your brain into believing it's being, your stomach's being fulfilled or filled rather and fulfilled. Well, that's, that's kind of been going on for a long time. You know, that's what your, your popular shake diets, you know, it's uh things that just help you feel full, but obviously devoid of any nutritional value. And then of course they put in this artificial flavors to feel like your, your brain is getting something sweet and delicious. And ay ay ay. So Barbara, in your experience, have you ever tried a keto diet? I have tried a keto on, and I will say I have failed a keto. I have tried exogenous keto (laughs) and I have failed exogenous keto. Yeah. I think more psychological damage that happened during that time than physiological, but it, it really made me feel very shaky. It made me feel very weak. And that's, that's one of the things that people talk about is like, oh, but if you go in keto, when once your body's in ketosis and you'll know because you're going to pee on a strip. Right. <laughs> or your pee smells like popcorn. That's the other one I, I heard. If your pee smells like popcorn, you're in ketosis. Right. So and it, so, you know, they talk about once you're in ketosis, you're going to feel great. Your energy is going to go up. And I'm not going to I'm not going to say that for some people that doesn't happen because I don't. I don't know them, but I could tell you from from my experience that did not happen. I felt really crummy and my anxiety went through the roof. And then what kind of life is that when you're sitting there anxious over your next meal, you know? Right. Yeah, um, totally. So it did not did not work for me. Yeah. So, so what, what people need to know is, you know, keto's kind of been the reimagined Atkins right. diet. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And the only difference. Only difference is, is that over time on Atkins, they allow you to add a little bit more percentage of carbohydrates where keto tries to just limit that uh, indefinitely. To me, it's pretty much the same. They just took a little bit different spin on it. Believe it or not, there's a competing organization to, to my organization that works with health plans that actually they put all their diabetes to people on this ketogenic uh, program. And of course, you see weight loss and drop in A1C, right. but... As you know, a lot of that stuff can be very temporary. But I want to give an overarching idea here that, as you said earlier, everyone's searching for something. So you may be on keto right now, listening to this going, are you crazy? Keto changed my life, right? And then if we say Atkins and we're comparing, you say Atkins changed my life, paleo changed my life, going vegan changed my life, 
all everybody that has done this intermittent fasting changed my life. I want to just n- let everybody let's level set that what works for one doesn't always work right. for all, and we want to make sure that you're not we're not t- poking fun at uh, something that's giving you some hope and and is working for you. Mm-hmm. And what you see in this industry is someone gets so excited, like let's let's say you know Dr. Atkins who came up with Atkins. He saw it working, so he got excited about it. It was like, wow, we're going to put people on this. And it worked for a lot of people, but it probably for another 70% of the people that did it, it didn't work for. And unfortunately, when, it, when your prescribed diet doesn't work, people always just get blamed, right? Then we blame that, oh, you're your motivation. I don't know what your problem. And it's almost like fighting about politics in a way, right? It's like, you know, it's, it's ridiculous because there is no black and white solution here. So the goal of today is to go through some of these, give you the, the good, the bad, and then let you make a decision of what works best for you. So when we make fun of a few things or, or whatnot, it's just in fun. I want you to be able to explore these things for yourself, but going, going in with the mindset that just because someone can line up a bunch of researchers to say that gluten is bad, another bunch of scientists said that you need it. And so let's just, you know, kind of take that approach. So Barbara, a question I have for you is, you said you worked in nursing homes you, and your last job you worked uh, at the uh, bariatric weight loss. Describe that kind of work for us. Yeah. So in uh, bariatric medical weight loss, my sole role was to see patients before they would go on to be approved for surgery. So they needed to lose at least 5% of their body weight at that time to show that they're able to make those changes and that they're serious about it and that they're going to make those lifestyle changes to have a successful outcome with the surgery. You know, our surgeon did not want to operate on anybody that wasn't serious about making some changes. That was my role. And so I would see people that were anywhere from barely meeting the cutoff with the BMI of, you know, 38 to 40, all the way to, you know, 400, 500 pounds, they really need to get their act together if they're going to live another month, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. To where it becomes critical care at that right. point. Yeah. You said you tried keto. What other things have you tried in the past? I have tried a lot of fun things. You know, there is bright line eating, which I think is, has some wonderful components. And I do want to kind of preface this with the fact that you can lose weight in so many different ways. Like yeah. you could just eat tacos. And if you just ate one taco for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you would probably lose weight, right? But it's not really about just the weight loss. It's about that whole balance that you're creating within your within your own microbiome, within your body. And, and you know, the whole brain gut connection and feeling good. And so uh, some of the things they've tried, uh, Bright Line Eating is a, is a great program for those that are really highly addicted to food. So they cut out sugar, they cut out flour, and there's a lot of really good science behind that. But then that's kind of it. And so then there's, there's you're weighing and measuring and weighing and measuring, and then you're not eating sugar and you're not eating flour. And so I tried that for a while. And what I ended up with is, again, more anxiety. It didn't, it didn't really help with that area of my life. And then what do you do when you don't have your food scale with you? Do I pack my food scale? You know, it it almost becomes this perfectionism where it's all or nothing. And then that's that's where the issue comes down to is that it's not sustainable in the long term because you can't be perfect with this all the time. And then your self-esteem starts coming down because it's like, why can't I do this? You know, and it's not that you can't do this. It's that that 
that doesn't necessarily work for your lifestyle, you know? I, I, I agree with that because I've, I've, t- I've tried a lot of different diets just because and, and not, you know, your weight changes throughout your life, right? Like, I mean, you're going to have ups and downs and you're always going to have, like, especially after the holidays, which we got, we just got through with, you're always going to have that five to 10, or maybe not always, but a lot of people have that five to 10 vanity pounds they want to use. They overindulge in the holidays. And I think there really is, I mean, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I really don't think there's any other way to understand what works for your body and how you respond to certain diets or lifestyle changes unless you've experimented with them. Oh, no, absolutely. And that's why I I have taken pride in trying and giving, you know, going gung ho on various different diet plans. So that way, when people ask me, what are my thoughts? I'm not just BSing some kind of information that I have read. I'm talking about from my personal experience with that diet. This is how I personally felt. This is where I felt I struggled. Um, and this is where it was strong. So for certain people that might, that might work, that might be what they need. But overall, you know, what is, what is something that you can stick to in the long term? Because it's not just about a certain month. It's not about 21 days. It's not the seven day diet or the 14 diet or the 17 day diet. It's not a particular number of days. What you do in the long term, those habits that you create with your nutrition, with your wellness that are going to make that long term change, that that's what everybody's seeking. Right. Agreed. And, and full disclosure, you know, for everybody out there. So my opinion, just to get out there on diets, is that there is no one size fits all. Everyone has to figure it out for themselves. And that's why. I came up with the better health method is so that people could help themselves figure out what works best for them because I watched so many people try so many different things. And yeah. oftentimes I was the catalyst to that. I'd say, well, why don't you try this? Or why don't you try that? And, and right. then I came up with this, this methodology. A lot of times we talk about this methodology as being a gut health first approach. And really, that's not really part of the methodology. That's just realizing that if your gut health is out of balance, your whole body's out of balance, so I'll never be able to... Right put the other methods in place. It's kind of like saying you showed up to play basketball, but you don't have sneakers on. To me, getting the microbiome, your sneakers on. And, and Aaron had done the program, the methodology to find out what worked best for her from suffering from Crohn's for so many years. And mm-hmm. Barbara, you recently um, had done it because I guess your health plan had, had, had right. told you about it. But before we get into that approach to let people understand how to experiment and come up with their own methodology. Let's kind of go through the, the ones that are out there right now, just kind of give our reaction to, to what is out there. Currently, I don't know if you know this, but there is somebody out there promoting the carnivore diet. No carbs, no dairy, just meat. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're um, right. I have to tell you something about, and Barbara, to your point about keto, because I've tried keto before, and this probably is what I would, I know that I'd feel similar, um, mm-hmm. Dr. Farrow on the all meat diet is I felt like my stomach was ripped up. Like gut wise, I did not. And again, like we're not bashing keto. I'm just saying that there has to be a balance, right? There mm-hmm. has to be some sort of balance. And um, I just, for me, I just didn't feel like that was balance. I felt like it was forcing something. I enjoy eating fruit. I really do. I enjoy eating a lot of vegetables. Um, And that's not for everybody. That's fine. Some people like steak and sour cream. But I just, 
I found that I just felt, even though I, I lost weight, I just didn't feel myself. And I think that yeah. that's, the, that's actually the bigger issue is that, did I lose two pounds in four days? I sure did. But I felt like such crap that I was like, guess what? The two pounds or whatever I'm going to lose after being on this for a week and a half is not worth it. Right. And you know what? I'm, I'm sorry if this is the wrong place to um, be saying this, but I think that's why the Better Health program works so well is that you get that month to create that baseline of what feeling good actually feels like because we so often don't even know what that feels like. We have aches and pains that we don't even recognize because we've lived with them for so long right. that we don't even bring acknowledgement to it. Yep. And so, you know, so many dietitians will promote intuitive eating. And I think that that's absolutely fabulous. If you know what good feels like, but if you don't know what good feels like yeah. as your baseline, how are you possibly going to intuitively eat to feel good? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's, that's one of the things that um, really gets to me is that diets almost seem like a punishment. Like you're not supposed to feel good. You just have to power through this right. because you need to lose weight. And that's the most important thing. And then it just kind of can wear on your well-being. So when you feel good, suddenly you're intrinsically motivated to continue forward, wanting to make those changes versus when you feel like your stomach is being right. ripped up. Right, right. You, you can hang on for maybe two, three days and you don't want to go forward with it, you know? Well, what's, no. in, what's interesting about what you're saying is um, the... The population out there, it, 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 this what's really important about the population that's listening to this right now, you're listening to a registered dietitian, okay? This is someone who's supposed to have all the education in the world on nutrition. The go-to, I'll tell you exactly what to do. You can follow this. You'll be fine. And yet, you found yourself trying to figure out what works best for you, right? Go, mm-hmm. Going through this. And so most of the programs out there are designed to say, hey, you know, cheeseburgers are bad for you or give you some piece of advice. You already know all of that. And then when when that's not working, like you said, then they just give you punishment. They say, well, you know what? Just do this. Just do keto. Just do this because nobody wants to help you figure out really what works with you and really comes down to data and information. And so, you know, just actually have you, you, you made a great point. Like if I didn't even know how. I'm supposed to be feeling, how am I going to know the changes are working? So taking your weight, your sleep, your mood, your energy level, uh, tracking your pictures of your food, and then as you start to feel better, when you bring back stuff that's, that may causes issue, then you know, hey, that's, my body's telling me it doesn't agree with it. And I, I think you're liberating a lot of people by being on here to say, I'm a, I, I got studied in this and I still had struggled and tried to figure it out. So I think we all agree that the carnivore diet seems pretty extreme. And yet the guy that, that came up with it said it was the only thing that helped him. He, he, you know, he, he had all these neurological issues. He had all this other stuff going on. and said it was the only thing to help him. So I don't want to go against him saying that. Do I think it's the best long term? No, because I know the microbiome needs the, the, right. fr- the fiber from the fruits and vegetables. Yet he can show me studies that say I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's get to the point where... That's definitely not for me. I know that's not for me, but it doesn't mean it's for everybody. And let's not condone or correct. Let's just give the information because there's some part of all of these things that we're discussing today that have some good to it, right? I was going to say, so could we, because I feel like we've been focused 
you know, very much on the high protein or high fat diets, which are a little bit easier to synchronize because of, of the lack of variety. And because growing up, we've always learned that, you know, there needs to be a lot of fruits and vegetables in your right. diet. And red meat is, is not necessarily the best thing for your heart health or for, you know, your weight. Um, and now sort of that is those concepts are being turned upside down because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, both of you, but it's, well, they're okay as long as they're not in combination with other things. And that's where I feel like it gets a little bit dangerous, but it can also apply to other diets that aren't so meat or protein or fat focused um, and that are either low calorie or vegan. But I'd like to try to explore those because I know myself and, and personally, I have a lot of trouble sticking to those just because I never feel full and I never really feel like I exercise a lot. Um, right. So I would just like to hear your thoughts on some of the other diets that are more plant-based or lower calorie. I just want to say, Erin, um, that having trouble sticking with it is the issue for everybody, not yeah. just you. If somebody could stick with it, they would. I guarantee it. It's not just you. Um, but the I reason stick to the drinking man's diet <laughs> all day. Um, it's you know, it's not just your issue; it's my issue as well. Sticking to it, I am a registered dietitian. I have my bachelor's, my master's degree in nutrition. Sticking to it, you know, it's not a lack of knowledge. It's not that you you you're missing some information somehow. And if you if you were somehow more educated, you would stick to it. It's that it's not working for you physiologically. You know, that yeah. physiologic balance is not there. And so if you don't have that balance, it's going to be really hard mentally to stick to something because it feels yucky. Yeah. You know, but when you feel good and you have that balance within, you know, when your anxiety is down, when your, your depression is lifted, when your inflammation in your joints is, you know, suddenly you don't even recognize that you had pain in your knees or you had pain in your back that is now gone. Now that is intrinsically motivating for you to want to continue sticking with it. But now um, to answer your question about more lower calorie plant-based diets, I did spend a year being completely vegan, completely plant-based. And I will say that that is a very nutrient dense path to take. And that was uh, the reason why I took that path for a year was because it, Looking at the science behind it and the, nut the nutrient density of the foods that I was consuming, it was literally just the top of the top. However, one thing I learned through the Better Health program is that my body is sensitive to cruciferous vegetables. So it's just, it, even though it's healthy food, even though it's nutrient dense, that doesn't mean that it's going to fuel your body and react in your body the way it shows in the, in, in the literature. And so one of the things is that it's a little bit tricky because there's not a lot of science behind the individual, you know, nutrigenomics within each person. And so you're not going to see that individuality. However, when you, you know, with the Better Health program, it gives you the opportunity to feel that individuality and to create that yourself without spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on these at-home kits that may or may not show that you have some kind of a food sensitivity. So in full disclosure for everyone's listening, you recently, because I want to talk about the, the vegan, the vegetarian, the plant paradox and things of that nature 
recently, again, you had signed up, you'd gone through the Better Health Method, and I'd love for you to describe that because I think it will it will put in context why we're talking about all the various ways to lose weight and how they can, you know, piecemeal. But maybe just describe your experience, kind of your outcomes and some of your epiphanies, and then they'll know why we're trying to pick the best from all these different right. protocols. Okay. So let me just kind of back up for one second and just say that as a dietitian, I still struggle with my weight. I have a long family history of um, diabetes and hypertension and uh, lots of preventable chronic diseases that are lifestyle caused. So whether it's genetics or whatnot, I don't know, but I can say that if their lifestyle wasn't the way that it was, they wouldn't have suffered those things. And so I come from a, a, from a background of that. So I, I struggle with my own weight in keeping it managed and, and um, staying within a healthy weight range, which is why my insurance was willing to cover the Better Health program. So with that, I do want to say that um, I have tried so many different diets, whether it was for the purpose of my own personal weight loss or for the purpose of reviewing it and wanting to know more about it. I will say that I approached the Better Health program with a lot of cynicism. <laughs> and, and I was very skeptical and I was reading through it and I was like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. However, I said, regardless, I'm going to give it a try and I'm going to go all in. I'm going to just follow it and I'm going to see how it goes. And so um, I started the Better Health program the day after Thanksgiving and everybody thought I was absolutely crazy saying, why are you going to start the day after Thanksgiving? Why don't you start after the new year? I said I could either start after the new year and gain. I mean, essentially, it's like, okay, so do I want to gain until the new year or do I want to start at least trying to feel better? So I, I gave it a shot and I will say like at first I was completely skeptical about it thinking there's no way, but how am I going to know unless I try it? And sure enough, literally within a month, I'm down 20 pounds. What? And That's it's crazy. crazy. And I'm like, well, I was already eating healthy. Yeah. I, I know what to eat and I eat a lot of vegetables and I eat a lot of fruit. And, you know, so I'm like, clearly there was some inflammation happening in my body that I was not aware of. Yeah. Clearly there was some foods that I was eating that were reacting that on every other diet plan would, would be like, okay, eat a lot of this, you know, eat a lot of cruciferous vegetables. Well, for my body, my body inflames when I eat some of those. So it's just, it's very mm -hmm. unique and individual. And that's one of the things that I'm learning. So I am learning about my particular body. I know, you know, a lot of information about physiology and how the body works. And, but what they don't teach you is that each of those bodies works a little bit differently. Sure. And each of those foods responds a little bit differently. So it was just very motivating for myself. Uh, that is amazing. Um, and, now, if you could go back to all those folks that have come through those clinics and all the people that, you know, you counseled before and you could say, oh, boy, because I, I have the same regret when I had when I was doing, uh, you know, I, I didn't always have this method. I was working with people doing everything. I mean, I, at one point I was giving people a shake, a five in one shake program just because I wanted to get weight loss for them. And now I right. wish I, I remember that. Oh boy, I, I, I it, it bothers me. Uh, well, you're in, you're in, you're enlightened. Yeah, I'm enlightened. <laughs> so let me just say, Aaron, Barbara said anxiety. Anxiety is a, a, a situation where people are constantly. <laughs> 
Just kidding, Erin. We know you know all about anxiety. Barbara, so. I have very high anxiety and Dr. Barrow is like my big brother and he is on the receiving end of me expressing my anxiety in a plethora of ways, including <laughs> hypochondria, temper, fear, sleeplessness, et cetera, et cetera. So I hear you and I actually feel, and to be honest, like, so Doc doesn't even know this, but I sort of re-adopted the better plan a couple of weeks ago when I decided to, well, I always eat, I, I mean, I have to say, I always like pretty much foul the basics of it, but as far as going back to level one, you know, re, and just sort of ridding my body of everything, I did that a couple of weeks ago. And the other interesting thing that I can notice is, so I didn't, you know, I definitely overindulged in the holiday. I didn't have a ton of weight to lose, but like, I definitely felt the weight I had wasn't, it just wasn't good. Like it was coming from empty calories, right? So like, even though the scale hasn't moved dramatically in the last few weeks, the way you look in your clothes fit completely changes when you start the program, because it's like, all of a sudden I feel like I don't, not to be like totally, but it's just, everything's like feels tighter and better than when you've been on a bender for two months and like eating fries. But same rules apply. You got to do what works best for you and you have to see how you react. And you know what? And it's not, it's not cut and dry like that. It is just not. And you know what? Can we, can we take a a minute to also talk about, um, because we've, we've talked about the ketogenic diets and like removing whole food groups. And then we've talked about only eating certain food groups. But can we talk about where like some people try to just kind of meet in the middle and are like, it's just eat less, move more, you know, counting points where there's not that structure. And they're kind of like, this is just like more balance. Can we talk about those diets for a minute? Because there are a whole lot of diets that are like that. And I will say that I have tried a good handful of those. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, I like I like the initial concept of a Weight Watchers type approach where because and just the initial approach it says mindful i'm just going to start thinking about what's going into my body right Right. that part of it is phenomenal Mm -hmm. then the idea that certain points may may correlate with things that are more nutrient dense and or not as high in calories is not a bad concept because you're educating people on specific foods what's a smarter choice basically yes what i can Mm -hmm. what i despise about it is lifetime membership to watch my weight for the rest of my dang life is a dependency process when you when you go through an elimination process like better method it's about empowerment and your blueprint going forward not being dependent upon uh, you know a membership again though i have a lot of family members that have done weight washing help them out tremendously so it's not to say that's not a great starting point but when you right. want to come up with what that's like next level, when you want to next level it, because majority of people that have that talked to me or asked me questions, they've tried everything, right? Weight Watchers 14 different times. They can count points like Rain Man. I mean, they, they just are, have done it, but they always hit a plateau. And when you hit that plateau, I call it the great plateau. When you hit that great plateau, you get discouraged because you're like, I'm doing all of this for what? And that plateau comes from not knowing specifically what foods are causing inflammation in your body, maybe an imbalanced microbiome. So yeah, that, that part of it is really great to start. 
not great to get you to the next level and get you not codependent upon this meetings and membership and and points. um, Also, I will say one of the reasons why it didn't quite work for me was there lacked a structure. And I think that we as humans in our crazy busy lives, we need to have some form of a structure with our day and with our mealtimes. And I think that timing matters also. It's not just as simple as eat less, move more. There's just so much more to the picture than that. And, you know, your program does just a fabulous job at bringing to light what is going to work for you, not just me, not just Aaron, what's going to work for you as an individual and empowering you as an individual to, like you said, know that blueprint of a diet plan for you. What is your meal plan? What is your, you know, to fit your specific particular lifestyle, which to me is just like what all of us dietitians should be doing to begin with. So it was kind of like mind blown, mind blown. I I just feel bad for dietitians around the country and around the world, because right now someone comes in, sits in your office, 45 minutes, an hour, a a lot of motivational counseling to begin with, right? Find their why factor. Why do they want to do this? Why do they want to make real change? And it's all mental. And then it's like, okay, let's start with this. Let's start with baby changes. I'll see you next week. If you're lucky, if the insurance covers it. Right. If not, see you two weeks from now. See you two weeks from now, get in the chair. And now we talk about all the wins and some of the losses and that's okay. And after a few sessions, months, you see some minor changes in some people. Some people, you might see some really great stuff, right? They, they went right. after it. But by and large, it's a... Uh, failure relationship. So to wrap this up, to get wrap up the inspirational part of this, if you're out there feeling stuck, if you're like, yeah, but that worked for her because of this and she has this or they have that, it's just not how the human body works. Everything you need to be successful is already written in your own DNA. It's already there. You just have to give it the right foundation. You're whole, you're complete, it's not about motivation and willpower. You just have to give yourself a good few days to just say, all right, I'm going to give this a, a shot to, to change some things around and listen to my body, pulled some data points. And once you start feeling better, I think Barbie said it best, you're going to start feeling that intrinsic value. So you don't have to worry about that extrinsic focus because you're going to be so motivated by what's actually happening. In your yeah. Body. And mm-hmm. I agree. And, and as far as the, the, the willpower, like, and I'm just going to put it out there. I really encourage everyone, especially women, not to continuously glorify these people, whether they're actresses or they're just social media, who really do a fantastic job of making other people feel like crap. Because it's not, it's not the real world. And, and there's so many things that go into what they do and how they brand themselves. And, and I do think that's a major issue for women. The, the people who are on there that are that are 45 and 55 don't look that way. And that's for a reason. And it's not because they they don't eat candy, right. you know. So I, I really I, I, I think really encouraging people to focus on how they feel and not how they look. And I'm not saying that's easy because I focus on that, too. And you can do everything I don't judge people on what they do to look better, but I, it has to start inside. 100%. Yeah, like those really attractive news anchors that have three kids on ABC in Philadelphia. Like, don't just idolize them just because of that. Listen to me. I'm not getting any <laughs> idolization at this point because every post I put up for some somehow 
it's interpreted as a political post right now. So I'm not done. Uh, you're, you're not doing it. Okay, good. Well, I'm not I doing it. it. We really appreciate you guys being here for the podcast. Barbara, thank you so much for your time. Of course. Uh, thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone, to the Better Podcast brought to you by BetterHealth.com. For episodes, be sure to subscribe to this feed on the podcast app you're using right now. This episode was edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Dr. Bill Farrow, and we'll see you again on the Better Podcast. Hey there, listeners. Did you know we not only have an award-winning podcast, but we have an amazing blog to go with it? If you go over to BETRHealth.com and click on the blog button, you'll have access to recipes, member stories, food is medicine tips, and so much more. That's BETRHealth.com slash blog.